Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Yeah, I mean, uh, good team win. Um, obviously, we've got we've got to do a better job of finishing on offense. But uh, credit to our defense, um, two two turnovers that I had, they they got the ball right back, and uh, that, that's what all I can ask for. That's all you can ask for is an offense. But as you said, got going pretty early, um, got got a good lead, but then we've got to we've got to be able to, to to finish it off and not let them back in the game. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. We uh, we've got we got high standards and high expectations for ourselves. So when you're um, you're not moving the ball and you're not scoring points, you're only scoring what six points in, in the second half. Uh, yeah, it's not acceptable. It's that we've we've got to be better than that. Um, the latter part, latter part of the year, obviously, as you get ready to go play better teams, play division teams, and play in the playoffs. Cowboys did not have an overwhelming performance. They were opportunistic with turnovers, short fields fumble return for a touchdown that made the game 18 to nothing and then they just kind of held on built the lead to 24 to nothing and then that's when Washington began to come back and they did make it very interesting got it down to 27 to 20 and uh, who knows what ultimately could have happened it just felt like Washington literally ran out of time that game's a little bit longer Washington forces a tie and maybe they end up in overtime but Dak Prescott had a couple of interceptions including an interception return one of those what are you thinking moments when you're up by 14 points 13 points actually late in the game Um, just just a strange kind of a day but the Cowboys get a critical win because Washington was right on their heels with a two-game deficit and two games against each other down the stretch and five to play Washington could have taken that division. becomes a lot harder now. They'll get together again coming up. But now with a three-game lead, that's just what a huge, huge swing. Uh, but the Cowboys did not. We talked about it with the Browns. We talked about it with the Bucks. We could talk about it all day long about the Vikings on Thursday night. You got to have that killer instinct. You got to put teams away. And, you know, even though the Cowboys got the win, they failed to put away their division rival, Mike. Well, yeah, yeah. Listen, the, the offense wasn't fantastic. You lose Tyron Smith again, so we'll see uh, what goes on there. You know that pick six that Holcomb had for Washington. It, when you watch that play, remember there was a D lineman in front of because uh, everybody's are going, "How does he not see him?" Well, there was a D lineman right in front of Dak. Dak saw his guy, but didn't see Holcomb coming across because it was blocked. 
by the D lineman that was in the face of Dak Prescott. So it really looked bad. Like, how do you not see that guy right there? Well, because there's a large 300-pound man in front of you uh, <laughs> that, that, that blocked him from seeing that, and you thought you had your guy that was wide open. This Dallas defense, I thought, did a fantastic job. We can get into Washington, and Kyle Allen comes in for Heineke and, and, and leads a comeback. But, you know, they're up 24-zip, 27-8 is, is Dallas. That defense has been playing well. You know, they score on defense. Micah Parsons, you know, I mean, what what more can you say about him and what he's doing? I thought I thought Isaiah Simmons, who the Cardinals got from Clemson, was going to be along these lines of kind of that be able to play linebacker, be able to rush, uh, be able to cover, kind of that jack-of-all-trades. Micah Parsons has come in and is just – imagine if he was just an edge rusher, uh, the sacks he'd have, or if he was just a linebacker. You know, the uh, the interceptions he might have. He is just – but they're playing him incredibly well in how they're using him, whether off the edge or blitzing up the middle. You know, he's beaten, you know, all pros on offensive line to get these sacks. It's incredible what he's doing. This defense, you know, Gregory coming back and, and how he's playing. The defense is playing well at times. Again, we've seen them not play as well at times. It's been kind of the story of the year of inconsistency. But for the most part – Boy, they, they put on a show yesterday, and, and then the offense just really couldn't, couldn't you know, put the nail in the coffin there. And then Kyle Allen comes in and starts scoring, you know, leading scoring drives a bit for Washington. But that was, uh, you know, that was kind of the MO for the day, wasn't it? We've gone over just about every game where a team had a big lead and didn't hold it. So it's not like Dallas was alone in this. Yeah, Heineke had that knee injury in the fourth quarter, and uh, I think sometimes teams just exhale a little bit too early and the other team doesn't go along with it. And the next thing you know, it's a more interesting game than it needed to be. That defense, to have Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and Randy Gregory all available at the same time, it just shows you how good it can be. And it doesn't have to be this high-powered Dallas offense. And it wasn't yesterday. We mentioned Prescott, a couple of interceptions. Tony Pollard didn't play because of a plantar fascia that he tore on his long touchdown run, the 58-yarder against the Saints a week and a half ago. So they really didn't have the offensive kick but it was four turnovers and five sacks and the defense rose up and took care of it and we're seeing that ability you know if the offense is down the defense can be up if the defense is down the offense can be up and the Cowboys have some balance there but that defense is capable of being special and you mentioned Parsons I talked to him after the game to me Mike he's got some old school football in him he's got some throwback some physicality at a time when that's being legislated out of the sport. And it's not dirty. He just, you saw what he did to Taylor Heineke. Gets to him and just throws him down. Not roughing the passer, but he's physically capable to do it. And I'm going to throw him down. And he did. And he likes lining up all over the place. He says that contributes to the chaos he creates because nobody really knows where he's coming from. And he's got the flexibility to stand up put a hand in the dirt, move inside, move outside. So you always have to be conscious. He's quickly becoming almost like a Troy Polamalu was, where you always have to know where this guy is. Because wherever he is, if he has a, a crack that he can slip through, you have a problem. Uh, listen, without a doubt. I mean, when you start to have to be game plan for and know exactly where you are, and, and, and that's what's going on. And it's his rookie year. Remember, this is a guy that opted out, too, you know, his, his last year at Penn State. And he's just come in. And I can't tell you how impressive it is that he does it from everywhere. 
You know, there are guys that could just are, are edge rushers and they're really good there. But he edge rushes. You know, he's he ends up, you know, when you can match him up and get him out of back. Well, they beat Brandon Sheriff, you know, a, a, a all pro right guard on one of those. Then when he's matched up out of back, I mean, are you kidding me? What a disadvantage that is. But to have the ability to not know if he's coming, is he coming, is he not, where is he dropping to in coverage, not knowing where he's going to be. And then the way on a run, the way he fills and plays behind the line, it really is incredible for what he's doing and how how easily he's picked it up in a very short time. Um, so, I mean, all the credit in the world, obviously, to, to that defense, uh, the coaches, and certainly to Micah Parsons in giving – the coaches, the ability to move him around. He has to be a good enough player to be able to say, we're going to move you all over the place. You can't do that and just get stoned everywhere. It doesn't do any good, obviously. So he, with his ability to get matched up, whether it's an offensive tackle, an offensive guard, or running back, he's beating them all. So, yeah, now you have to count for account for number 11, and that goes all the way to the game plan that you get handed on every every Wednesday. And that's the key, too. you got to be smart enough to understand what your role is in relation to the rest of the players if you are moving around so there aren't gaping holes that you vacate when you do this or you don't blow your assignment or whatever the case may be. And Peter King said a few weeks back that he sees a lot of Lawrence Taylor in Micah Parsons. Sims was saying that last night on Football Night in America, and I asked him about these comparisons to Lawrence Taylor. He said, I think LT is one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, but I want to be my own person my own man. I want people to be like you pass rush like Michael Parsons. So uh, we, we see that attitude. He doesn't want to be the guy who's compared to somebody else. He wants to be the guy to whom others compare themselves. And he's already on his way. And, and I know because there's already the pushback. We've seen plenty of great defensive players over the years who start off incredibly well as rookies and don't sustain it. And Javon Curse, who had 14 sacks as a rookie with the Titans, and was never quite that great ever again. Parsons is too short of Curse's rookie record. He's got 12 sacks. We'll, we'll see what – look, let's just enjoy what he's doing now. Right. But I think we're seeing enough from him now. The versatility to me is the key. That versatility, if he can stay healthy enough to play the way he's playing, that versatility is what's going to carry him to multiple Pro Bowls and All-Pro and defensive play of the year. Defensive rookie of the year, they may as well just name the, the award after him. He's going to win that. The question is, is he going to be defensive player of the year as well, Mike? He could win both. Yeah, he could, uh, without a doubt. Yeah, I know Miles Garrett is up there uh, for what he's doing, uh, T.J. Watt for the sacks that he has as well. But the difference, you know, since we're bringing up you know, what do you do after that? And I'm with you. Let's enjoy what we're doing now. Let's not look two, three years down the road and see is he still doing it. But the difference is you mentioned a guy like Javon Curse. Javon Curse was an edge rusher. You know, you can do things there no matter what edge he's rushing on. You can chip, you can double team, your back can catch him in the ribs, a tight end can hit him before he deals with the with the offensive tackle. With Micah Parsons, because he's so versatile and you can move him, doesn't mean you, you can't, it's a little tougher to get a bead on him and say we're going to double him when he's lining up in the middle you can't just say well we're doubling him because you know what you don't even know if he's coming you know Javon Kurtz for the most part is rushing Michael Parsons may not be rushing you think he might be and you're like "Uh uh-oh but then he may drop into coverage so you don't know so you can't get a bead on him as much as you can just like your your quote-unquote normal edge rusher he's so much more than that 
And it's just amazing to watch. And the Cowboys, who, who had a little bit of a rough patch there, that was a huge win for them yesterday, and they continue forward. They got a good game coming up with the Cardinals in a couple of weeks. They got Washington again. They're going to make the playoffs. The question is, uh, do they have any shot at climbing above the four seed? Probably not, but they'll be the division champions. They'll have a primetime game, presumably, in the wild card round. And where they go from there, we'll see. Let's take a break. When we return, the Chiefs took care of the Raiders yesterday with some old motivation and some new motivation. We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of Pro Football Talk Live. I'm always honest with you guys. Um, disappointment, but also uh, a togetherness because that's all we got, you know. Um, you know, we all know everybody's against us and it's going to be hard and all that kind of stuff, but... You know that's what that's what builds character, man. Um, you know, and you know, you know, people will say I take wins over character any day. I was like, well, you know, you need good character to eventually get it right. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I see I see good character where guys are going around to one another and, and and saying, hey, man, I got your back and all this kind of stuff. I mean, you hear all that stuff, but at the same time, there's some there is some disappointment. It's fresh. It's an open wound, you know, and. Uh, Especially coming here when you didn't expect something like that, you know. Uh, but you have to give Kansas City credit, man. They got good players, good coaches, and they 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 did a good job today. See, the saying isn't just build character, baby. The saying is just win, baby. I don't think Al Davis would be very thrilled by the. And and I understand. Here's what happens. It's almost like the office when whenever something bad happens and they talk to the people in the conference room they, they find the silver lining in everything hey everybody's getting laid off well okay that's great I'll go do this oh everybody's staying oh that's great I'll go do this like you just deal with your circumstances and you find something in there that allows you to continue rather than wallowing in your defeat I, I think that's what Derek Carr was trying to do yeah, uh, yeah. Listen, I, I'm with you. Just win, baby. We, we we know the Raiders over the years have had some characters, without a doubt, but they won, <laughs> and they were they were fun to watch. They were a, a, a wild group, and they won. That was a, at a different time, no no doubt about that. Um, this was just your good old fashioned butt whooping. I mean, nothing more. And you play long enough, and it happens. But boy, when it happens in a rivalry like this, especially after you know, the Raiders last year, and we'll get into obviously what they did right before the game. Uh, you know, we'll get into what, what kind of motivation that is. But the bottom line is when the ball is kicked off, a lot of that stuff is for, is is forgotten, save for maybe when you do something a couple of minutes before kickoff, it's not forgotten as quickly. But they just got smoked by a team in Kansas City who, who like we've talked about all year, has been inconsistent. They seem to be getting consistent now, but – do we expect 48 points from them every week? No, we saw them in the 40s another time this year, but we've also saw them struggle to score points. But this is one of those that you see when they are clicking on offense uh, that the, the, what they can do and the amount of points that they can put up. And that's what people see as we get closer to the playoffs. Most points they've scored since that epic game against the Rams three years ago. Uh, so 48, something they're not very accustomed to, and they needed it. That could give them the confidence moving forward. Mike, you mentioned the the uh, pregame motivation. The, the Raiders gathered on the logo. I saw people saying they were stomping on the logo. They didn't stomp on it, but they gathered there. And that, that 
you know, and all, all they're professional athletes. They don't care about that kind of stuff. Well, let's have a listen to guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew as to whether or not the Chiefs took note of what happened and had a little extra spring in their step because of it. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of conversation about it. I mean, but I mean, you definitely don't want people coming into your stadium and trying to like disrespect uh, things that that you've kind of built. Um, and so for us, um, just gave us a little bit more a little bit more motivation to go out there and, and win against a really good football team that we have a rivalry against that usually is a, a tough a tough football game. So uh, I think guys were ready to play today, and I think it showed on the field. It doesn't really move me. Um, I don't think champions, you know, really act in in that manner. Um, so. Yeah, I don't. It don't even matter. So, I, bro, I didn't. I didn't uh, hear about the logo thing until after the game. But um, you know, that, that's pretty disrespectful, you know. Uh, but I'm glad we, you know, we jumped on them out the way we did. It's funny. Sometimes guys will try to downplay. They, they they look for any motivation they can find, Mike. You know how that goes. And you're disrespecting our house. You're disrespecting our logo. And, yeah, we're ready to play, but thank you for making us just a little more ready to play. Yeah, you know, the, the, this motivation stuff, uh, you know, I'm kind of come see, come saw about, you know, especially stuff during the week. You know, when you hear talk or something during the week and you get reaction from the other team. My thought always is by the time we get to kick off and you hit somebody, all that, all that stuff does not matter one bit. Again, depending on the, to the degree of what is said. But for the most part, that's not going to decide an outcome. Now, when you do something, you know, a couple of minutes before a game, when you walk all over a, uh, you know, their, their, their emblem there, that's, that's, that's a, a little more, again, was Kansas City going to win this game and smoke them anyway? They very well could have. They're, they're a better team than the Raiders are. Uh, but doing it right before the game, when you're in pads, when you're just about ready to start hitting one another, to do that is a little different. And you're right. Players are downplay that. You know what they, they won't want to do? They don't want to give the Raiders the respect that this had an effect on us. That's where Kansas City was going. Yeah, they did it. They're beneath us. They need to do stuff like that to try and motivate. We don't worry about that. We're a better team. So they tried to downplay it a little bit. But I guarantee you, you know, those who saw it or when the when the news got back to them, I'm sure it riled them up a little bit and said, you know, let's let's if we if we get the chance, let's just stomp these guys. And this is one of the few games where they got a big lead and they did put their throat uh, or their foot on the throat of the opponent and just stepped and stepped and stepped over and over again. And I would imagine there were some, a few choice words out there uh, as well. I know I would have been one of those throwing out some choice words for sure. Chiefs scored on seven straight possessions. And you're right, on a day when we saw so many leads get squandered, they did not give the Raiders any opportunity to get off the mat. They just kept going and going and going. And they got something out of Josh Gordon, which was encouraging because we keep waiting for someone else to step up. There's Miko Hardman making a catch. They need somebody else in that offense to compliment Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a good day. Um, so, you know, I, I think that this Chiefs offense is gradually and slowly getting back to where it needs to be. The defense has done a great job as well. They're balanced. And and I, I feel like it's it's lining up for the latest round of the Chiefs-Patriots heavyweight fight at some point between now and the end of the AFC uh, postseason picture. Yeah, listen, I agree. And, 
Yesterday, the ball was spread around a lot. What Tyreek Hill led the way with four receptions. But you know, you have Hill, you have Kelsey, you have other parts there. And as far as Josh Gordon, Mike, I'm going to say this. I don't expect him to become a big part of that offense. I expect him to be a piece of that offense. We keep living off of what Josh Gordon did years ago. And make no mistake about it, unbelievable talent. But he has not produced in a long, long time. Quick little slant here for a touchdown. That's what he's going to be. He he is never going to be the main part of this offense or that 10 reception guy. I don't think so. But he can be a piece of that offense. Do what he did yesterday. They do spread the ball around to different receivers. Another weapon for that team. But for those waiting for the Josh Gordon explosion of what he was, I think you're going to be waiting a long time. I just don't think you're going to see that anymore. They're going to need somebody to step up, make a big play in a big spot, though, in a big game like Sammy Watkins in the Super Bowl when he ran past Richard Sherman. They're going to need somebody to do it, whether it's Hardman, whether it's Gordon, whether it's Byron Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, Clyde Lair, someone's going to have to do it. And uh, let's take a break, but I mentioned there was some old motivation, too. The Chiefs are still upset about the Raiders winning at Arrowhead Stadium last year and doing a victory lap in their buses around the venue and the person responsible for the musical selection at Arrowhead Stadium made sure that everyone was aware of it on the way out. There it is. (laughs) The wheels on the bus. Awesome stuff. All right. Let's, uh, Let's go ahead and take a break. How about Jacksonville? Things are going from bad to worse. We'll be right back. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the answer? Uh, start leaking information or some nonsense? No. No, that's nonsense. That's garbage. That's, uh, you know, that's once again, I've been very blessed. I've not really dealt with that. I've, I've not dealt with, well, did you hear what he said? What? No. Let's improve on offense and get our quarterback in a position to be successful. That's our focus. What someone's brother said or someone said someone said that will that will occupy very little of my time and if if there is a source that source is unemployed i mean within seconds oh urban there isn't one source there are many sources mike this has been going on for a while 
motivated enemies of Urban Meyer from inside the building, spreading things to people in the media, some things that had merit, some things that didn't have merit. I've been hearing this stuff for weeks. It all started not long after the decision to stay in Ohio after the loss to the Bengals, not return with the team to Jacksonville. There are members of the coaching staff. There are players that just don't like the guy. They don't like the guy, and they've been talking. And it finally reached critical mass on Saturday with a report from NFL Media about some recent things. The biggest problem for Urban Meyer is he has people who are willing to talk. There's always going to be something going on in a football team, but he's got people who dislike him enough, multiple people who dislike him enough that they're talking about it. That is where the foundation of this thing is starting to crumble. Oh, they don't have a foundation. I mean, let, let alone a crumbling. There, there's no foundation yet at this point. Uh, Urban Meyer has built zero foundation for this team. And usually in a situation like this, um, is it nothing? Absolutely not. Is it to where Urban Meyer actually called his assistant coaches losers? I doubt that. But it's probably, it's, I'm sure it's somewhere in between. That's usually what we find, right? That, that it's somewhere in between. There's no doubt there are issues here. There is no doubt that Urban Myers rubbed people the wrong way. And let me tell you, this is not, not shocking. This isn't college. So you have a bunch of grown men out there who do this for a living. This is what they do. And, and it is in self-preservation uh, time for a lot of these players. Not a guy like Trevor Lawrence, but for the normal foot soldiers on a team of, are they going to be on this team? Are they playing to be on another team? Is this coaching staff going to be here? That's what players are worrying about right now. They may not like Urban Meyer and like the way he's going about business, but what they're doing is they're worried about their careers right now. And that's what happens. Jacksonville's not alone to this about what you're playing for coming to an end, end of the season. But the, the difference is on a lot of teams is where are you with your teammates and then with the coaching staff? You know, like we talked in Chicago, are you already – playing for being on film of the next coaching staff that's going to look at you on film and see how you're playing, or are you not? In here, what, what's Sean Khan going to do? Dude doesn't want to pay out all that money that he would owe uh, uh, Urban Meyer because he doesn't have cause right now to fire him and not pay him. So that's the tough situation, you know, if, and that, that's why it's a money game. If you don't want to have to pay that money out and he stays, what do you do that's different? He's still the head coach. You still have to let him run the show. So, you know, is it going to get any better there? And there was some talk after the Ohio misadventures of possibly a termination for cause. And my understanding was that the team was fact-checking whatever it was that Urban Meyer told Shad Khan when he came back to the building and it all hit the fan. Now, that's been weeks ago, and I remember at the time thinking and being told there's a belief that there'll be something else eventually because there's always something else with Urban Meyer. As it relates to the money, no one can get a clear picture of how much he's making. I was told last year he was looking for $12 million a year, and there was some reporting in response that said that's false and not relevant. Well, how the hell is it not relevant? It's what the guy wants to be paid. <laughs> Six and a half is the number that I keep hearing, which really isn't all that much as NFL coaches go. Six and a half plus maybe some bumps based upon 
how they do, and if there are bumps, I doubt that he earned any of the bumps this year. But beyond just writing the check, because most of these guys have the money, but they can just write the check. It's more important to have the right coach of your team than worry about the buyout. It's an embarrassment to the owner that he had to have this guy. Had to have this guy. If you throw him overboard after one year, you're basically admitting to the world, I don't know what I'm doing. And that's why there's this sense. And, Mike, let, let me explain to you what I'm trying to do here, because this, this was like an Abbott and Costello routine. Once this report came out Saturday, I did what most in the media would do. I asked the Jaguars if they had a comment. What do they have to say about this? Is it accurate? Is it not accurate? Let me know what's going on. Their response for this one, and this happens from time to time with the Jaguars, they refer you to the personal spokesman for the owner. So I start asking the personal spokesman for the owner what's going on. His attitude is, well, I only speak on behalf of the owner on ownership matters. But they're sending me to, I, like, no, nobody wants to touch this from the organization. And eventually I got the spokesman to tell me to go look at an article in the Florida Times Union where Shad Khan has some quotes about dealing with failure. And I guess that if you read between the lines, it means he's not going to fire Urban Meyer after one year. So who the hell knows at this point? Dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. And dysfunction is the word right now in Jacksonville. Well, listen, you said it, Mike. Nobody wants to admit they're wrong. We see this with GMs to coaches who pick players high in the draft that don't pan out and they don't want to admit it right away because then you're admitting you made a mistake. Chad Khan doesn't want to admit he made a mistake here. He took a chance on Urban Meyer, a phenomenal college coach, which doesn't mean a hill of beans going to the NFL. Uh, and you don't want to think that you're wrong. And not only are you wrong, but then, as you said, six and a half is not a huge number. I don't know for how many years that is that you end up paying that out. So now you're wrong and you're giving a guy maybe tens of millions of dollars over the next few years. I don't know. So there's egos involved, you know, whether it's coaches, whether it's GMs, whether it's presidents, management, or whether it's owners, there are egos involved that, that I know the moves to make and these are the right moves. And, oh my God, this move wasn't the right one. Well, how do I spin it? How do I get around it to say that it maybe wasn't a good move, but I don't look bad doing it instead of just saying, you know what, got this one wrong. But unfortunately for Jacksonville, that's that's kind of been the thing. But here, it's getting a little embarrassing. It's not just that you're a bad team. You're a bad team and then some with a guy who's who's got an incredible name in Urban Meyer in the game of football. His name has taken a, a tremendous amount of hits yep. in recent years. And especially, it feels like it's accelerating. And that's the thing. He's almost got to fire his whole staff. Well, who's going to go work for him? And he hired all these people who don't like him and who are talking to the media about the things he's doing. Mike, he's got to be questioning everything about his decision-making skills and judgment. And Mike, you touched on a very important thing. There are always going to be mistakes in every line of work, in every sport, in every industry, there will be mistakes. The dysfunctional will double down and triple down to justify and cover up and conceal the mistakes they made. The people understand that we just have business to do. We have things to do. They admit the mistake and they move on from it. That's the difference between the best teams and the worst teams. And we see what the Jaguars are doing. And they're one of the worst teams. And they've been one of the worst teams for years. It's just kind of the way it is. And I know Shad Khan's attitude is, well, you're going to have failures in business or just higher profile in the NFL. He's had 10 years of failure, except for that one year that I still can't reconcile, 2017. And at some point, you got to ask yourself, what, what role do I have in the dysfunction that is unfolding around me? Oh, listen, I agree. It starts at the top, right? 
I mean, and, and owners put that on themselves, like a guy like Jerry Jones, you know, to the point where you got rid of a great coach years ago and Jimmy Johnson because your egos clashed, you know, and you want to be the guy that gets the glory and the guy that wants to be right. So you got to live with those decisions. And sometimes, as, as we're mentioning, your ego gets in the way and doesn't let you admit mistakes. And you said it, I, when you were describing it's business and you make business decisions, man, who are you describing at that point? Bill Belichick. I mean, that's a guy that just does business. I'm going to bring you in. I think you can help the team. Oh, wait, you're not helping the team. I'm cutting you. You're gone. Hey, nothing personal. It's business. And you know what? That's the way he does it. If it's a mistake, it's a mistake, and he moves on to the next one. And if it hits, it hits. And he's got the hardware to show for, for not being afraid to admit, I made a mistake here, and now it's time to move on and try something else. Obviously, it's different. Maybe it's different with the owners when you're dealing with billionaires, you know, instead of head coaches and that their dealings in the uh, business in the business world. And they want to run an NFL team like it's in the business world and not admit mistakes because they're billionaires for a reason. I don't know. But something gets in the way. And to me, it just doesn't seem like it's going to get better there because you're right. Who's going to want to come work for him? You're going to work for Urban Meyer. You're going to look over your shoulder and see if, in fact, it's true what's going on behind the scenes there. Is he going to throw us under the bus? You know, how do you make a decision there without him just eyeing over your shoulder? It's it's dysfunctional right now, you know, from the top down. Right. We need to take a break when we return. Sunday Statement Draft for Week 14. More PFT Live right after this. All right, we're going to get right to it. Sunday Statement Draft, round one. Mike Golick, you are up, sir. Well, I'm going, you know, to the Denver Broncos, getting the win over Detroit, and just on the outside looking into the playoffs, that rushing attack. I love the Melvin Gordon-Javante Williams duo in the backfield. Between the two of them, 184 yards and three touchdowns. Really, that running game so much helps the passing game. I love these two guys together. And very quickly, just a wonderful job in honoring uh, Demarius Thomas. What a, what a such a unfortunate death of Demarius Thomas at 33 years old, having his number in the corners of the end zone, Justin Simmons getting an interception and putting the ball on his number and remember Demarius Thomas, just a, just a horrible situation there, but, but they honor the man very, very well. Started the game with 10 players on offense, took a delay of game. Detroit declined it. So it was a gesture on top of everything else that was very fitting and appropriate for Demarius, who passed away on Thursday night. I'm going to start with a guy that came into the NFL with a lot of fanfare, a lot of expectation, hasn't been able to stay healthy like most Seattle running backs, not named Marshawn Lynch, but Rashad Penny, 137 yards and two touchdowns on only like 16 or 17 carries. Great day for him. And you know, look, this you can't write anybody off at this point other than the Jaguars, the Lions, the Texans, and the Jets. But these other teams, you could still get hot and win a few games. And now the Seahawks go from three and eight to five and eight. They keep winning. Who knows where they're going to be when it's all said and done, Mike? Yeah, I'm with you. With Penny, only six games this year, so you know hasn't played a full season. So a nice game for him. I'm going back to a guy you brought, a kid you brought up before. Quite honestly. 
and just how different it is with Mike Evans threw the one football in the in the the, the stands that that Brady wanted. And the kid that got the 700 touchdown pass that was laying on the ground from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I thought that was awesome. That kid sprinted so fast to get that ball laying in the end zone to get it either for Tom or for eBay or for whatever reason he got it. But they seemed to have a a, a better better set in their mind of what they were going to do with these touchdown passes. So kudos to them. I mean, he's sprinting across the back of the end zone. He scoops yeah. that thing up and off he goes. Brashad Perriman was clueless. He left it there. Yeah, he should have never let that thing out of his clutches. But, uh, yeah, that was great. And they, they were not going through what they went through earlier this year again. Uh, I'm going to go Alvin Kamara. He had not played for four straight games. And the Saints are another one of these teams where you write them off. Well, there's still games to be played. And if they can get their offense going, their defense has been very good. And Kamara's been gone. One of the reasons why they've lost five in a row. He's gone for four of them. He had 27 carries, 120 yards rushing, and a touchdown. You know, we know he's the dual threat. But for him to be able to have that kind of a workload tells you the knee's fine. And the Saints may be one of these teams, just like the Seahawks, these other teams that we've written off that may try to make a push. All right, let's take a break. One more round of the Sunday Statement Draft when PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, last round of the statement draft as we wrap up this Monday edition of the program. Mike, who you got? I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. Chargers get that 37-21 win over the Giants, 23-31, 275, three touchdowns, including that beautiful deep ball uh, that he threw, no interceptions at all. Chargers, again, one of those teams that, uh, you know, is fighting not only for that uh, division, you know, the top with Kansas City, but, you know, for a spot, they're sitting in the fifth slot right now, and Herbert's playing some good ball. They've got the potential to be a very significant handful for any team in the AFC, especially if Herbert plays like he did yesterday. I'm going to go back to Michael Parsons and give him some more love with his two sacks yesterday. The ability to line up all over the field, 12 sacks on the year. The favorite by far to win Defensive Rookie of the Year and now co-favorite with Miles Garrett to be the Defensive Player of the Year. Amazing there. Mike, who you like tonight, Cardinals and Rams? Uh, listen, I think the Cardinals are the most balanced team offensively, defensively in the NFL that don't get the respect of others in the NFL as being the most balanced team in the NFL. Well, the Rams need this one badly if they want to have any chance at winning the division. That pass rush needs to get home, and Aaron Donald suggested the other day they need to hold the receivers a little bit longer so they can make the sacks. That's it for today. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.